to the Bookshop Chronicles. My name is Brandy, and I run a bookshop in the sweetest community in Edmonton, Alberta. This podcast is about books, the people who read them, and the business of running an indie bookshop. I am so glad you're here. Are you a nonfiction fan? Do stories of imaginary characters make you yawn or roll your eyes? You are not alone. My guest today is Mel McGregor, a frequent visitor to the bookshop and a dedicated nonfiction reader. She is super passionate about the real-life stories she reads and especially loves attaching a real-life author encounter to her books. So here you go, friends, my conversation with Mel. So this is actually really fun for me because you have come to the book truck, you have visited the store, you've been a regular in the DCBC world. So Mel, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I'm addicted to books. Well, I guess I should say my name is Mel and I'm addicted to books. And then maybe I should ask if I'm in the right meeting because that sort of sounds like a one-liner for a 12-step <laughs> meeting. But truly, I am addicted to books. I love the reading of books. I like the learning. I like the education. I just love books. So I work in post-secondary institution or higher education industry and I'm surrounded by knowledge and books and I love it. And what genre are you typically drawn towards? What's your thing? I'm not so hot with fiction. So like when I walk into the store, I beeline it for the nonfiction side of the store. So I like the true stories. I like the autobiographies. I like the business section, the sports section, the self-improvement section. I know you have a thing with the self-help that it's, if you don't implement it, then it's shelf help. And yeah, we can chat (laughs) all about that for sure. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about that. So have you always been a reader? Yes. Right from the get-go. I have always read books. I only started tracking books, however, in about 2007. Prior to that, I didn't track the books that I've read, but now I have this fancy spreadsheet where I can track all the books I've read so that if I come across a book, which happened last week, I thought, oh, this may be an interesting book, and I started reading it, and I think, "Mm, no, I think I've already read this book before. Sure enough, I went back into my spreadsheet. I had read it three years ago, so didn't need to read the book again because business person that I am, I'm all about efficiency and why do rework if it's not necessary, if I already acquired that knowledge. So that book, I sent it on its merry way. So you don't reread books? I don't reread books and I don't watch movies if I've already read the book or if I've watched the movie, I won't read the book because that's just doubling up. So that's not, I have time to do other things instead of redoing things. So then your goal is to get as many unique reading experiences in as possible rather than revisiting old ones. You want to start chipping all of these ones off your list and and accomplishing something. Absolutely. I go for a broad spectrum. So if I come across a writer that I really, really like, whose book I have read and think, oh, this is an interesting way of writing, then I will read all of that author's books. So Kirsty McClellan Day, for example, who's based out of Southern Alberta. I read Cujo. It was really great. And actually started with Theo Fleury's book, Playing With Fire, which is an amazing, amazing book that got turned into the play. So in that instance, because the book was so great, then I went to see the one-man play at the Citadel in Edmonton, and then Mayfield Dinner Theatre also had the play. And so it's just a, I mean, Theo's story is incredible, 
And then Kirstie wrote about it, and Theo's done such great things and so has such courage around his story that, yes, I absolutely went to see the play and loved it. Kirstie McClellan Day has written Cornered by Ron McLean. That's on my to-read list, so I will read all of her books. Are you a big hockey fan in general? No, but like being Canadian, yes, I'll read hockey books. So one of the other books that I read that was really traumatizing for me was um, Boy on Ice by John Branch. And it's the story of Derek Bugard, who just needed to be loved and needed to be surrounded by people. And the NHL just let him down and he ended up uh, addicted to drugs. And after he had passed away, he they found out that he had chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And so... One of the courses I was taking, I got to do this whole entire research study on chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and so learned a lot about hockey players who have taken their own lives. And once they've done the autopsy, that's how they can determine if the brain has CTE because they're looking for a specific protein. So then I read a bunch of the stories about the hockey players that have been affected by CTE, and lots of them are enforcers in the NHL or goons. Lots of them are farm boys that grew up in Saskatchewan that just have lots of muscles and you know, they can fight. And so that's what they're on the ice for. So sad state, but really interesting reading. I have never heard of CTE. Really? Have you seen the movie Concussion? Yeah. No. Because the movie Concussion is all about the doctor that discovered it. And so the movie is Will Smith actually plays the doctor and it's about football. So they study mostly NFL players. So in Canada, there's a brain bank in Toronto, and then in Boston is the other brain bank. So there's two experts in the world, one in Toronto, one in Boston, and you can donate your brain for research if you like. It's really intriguing. So if you're reading about sports and business, and then you're just curious about so many things, what is it that you do? Do you teach? What is your... What is your field? I do lots of different things, Randy. So my background is business, events, and project management. So I work at a number of institutions and have worked at a number of institutions. So at Athabasca University, I started out coordinating convocation. Then I moved on to managing a project at University of Alberta. I worked in alumni events and donor engagement. I worked in rehabilitation medicine as an admissions coordinator. At Nate, I work as a test day lead for the IELTS exam. So the IELTS exam is if you need to get residency in Canada or if you want to have, you need an English language equivalency test to get into university. I manage that right now. I'm also with Athabasca University and I manage a team of academic advisors. So we're talking to students day in, day out on best paths forward in terms of education, which courses will work, what programs suit students' personalities. So I, yeah, I like the variety and the challenge and the dynamic nature. So I'm willing to hop around, do a bunch of different jobs. And I'm really a learning sponge and I just collect experiences and I collect activities and I collect opportunities. And I'm really excited about meeting people, which is why I have a lot of energy. And so I can go out and do a bunch of things. That's awesome. And so you collect all sorts of wisdom and inspiration and knowledge and and, uh, history in all of these stories that you are reading about and the knowledge that you're taking in. Do you have a big book collection or do you do a lot of ebooks, audiobooks? What is your, what is your shelf situation? I like the hard copy books for sure, for sure. So as an example, when I was at University of Alberta, I was coordinating alumni weekend events and Kelly Filardo was one of the speakers that I engaged. And so Kelly is a burn survivor. At the age of two, she was burned over 75% of her body. So she's become a speaker and she's written seven books, all of them which have been bestsellers. So I participated in one of her workshops a couple of weeks ago about how to write a bestselling book and met a bunch of other offers, such as 
was Sean T. McIntyre, who wrote his story called Heal the Boy, Build the Man. So Sean is number six in the world for fitness model. And this is his story of how he got to that point because his life wasn't that great. And then he decided, this is it. I'm transforming my life. And in two and a half years, he did. And fitness was it. So then he became this fitness model. He turned his dad bod into this muscly kind of body and started competing in competitions. And it was just amazing. And so back to Alumni Weekend with Kelly, one of my other speakers was Kieran Block, who is a University of Alberta alumni. He was a stand-up hockey player. He played for the Bears team. Then he had a cliff jumping accident, shattered his legs. And this book is his perspective on what he was before, what the accident caused him to be like, his recovery. And then he went on to be a member of Canada's Paralympic sledge team. And he is the most calm and amazing person ever. His, this book is really neat because his cat wrote a chapter and his dog wrote a chapter. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. If you like books with puns, this book is the punniest book I have ever read. So it's compliments of Michael Belzil, who is Kieran's friend and the, one of the co-authors on the book. So I like the stories of, this was my situation before I ran into something tough. Here's what I went through and here's what I'm like now. So a friend of mine in Saskatchewan, Kristen Pierce, she wrote My Cosmic Hammer. So Kristen, again with the sports theme, she's an elite volleyball player, or was at the time. So she was on scholarship to play volleyball in the States. And in her early 20s, all of a sudden, she got really, really tired. She was gaining weight. There, should, there was no reason for this. And it turns out she had cancer. And so this is her journey through cancer and what she learned and what she's become. And she's just amazing. So now she's written this memoir. And this is actually like her seventh book because she has written six kids books prior to this particular book. And they're all really, really great. They're all themes about mindfulness and gratitude and self-esteem and self-empowerment. And her books, the kids books are really, really lovely just because of the art. And so Kirsten talks in schools and now she does everything virtually. And, mm -hmm. and I like meeting the authors. So at one point in time, I was on a kick about near-death experiences because I had met Anita Morjani. And so then if, like I read deeply on an author, I'll read all their books. If I find a topic that I really, really like, I'll read all of the books on that topic too, or a lot of them. So Anita Morjani, Dying to Be Me, talks about her near-death experience. So then I went on this near-death experience kick. And one of the books that I came across was Eyes of an Angel by Paul Elder. So he's the former mayor of Swift Current, Saskatchewan. He's a former news anchor, and he's died six times. And he's still alive. He just cannot get this dying thing down pat. So he's drowned. He's been in car accidents. He's had heart attacks. He's survived everything. And so I attended one of his workshops too, which was really, really neat because it was out on the island. And he's an amazing, amazing individual. And again, really calm. And just because of his TV background, he tells the best stories. And so it was really fun to meet him and hang with him for a week and learn some things about dying and living and what you do in between. And what topics are fascinating you right now? Oh, right now I am in love with Jim Quick. Must say Jim Quick. I was able to meet Jim in 2014 at a conference in Vancouver. And at the time he didn't have a book, but he just has this amazing energy. And so his story, at the age of five, he had a brain injury and he had to teach himself how to learn again and how to read again. And so he was known as the boy with the broken brain. And now because he taught himself to learn through Marvel Comics, he just does these amazing, amazing things about memory and speed reading and how to eat the right foods for your brain and how your brain can change and how to 
just work with your brain. And so he has this limitless energy and limitless ideas on how to improve your brain. So now he's got the book out. Now I'm excited because I had my picture taken with him in 2014 and I got his autograph on just a piece of paper then. So I'm thinking, okay, Jim, we got to meet so you can sign my real book. So I'm all excited about Jim Quick and more brain stuff, right? Because I'm clearly all about the brain and how does it work? And you know, if you want to use 10% of your brain, how do we tap into that other 90%? How do we remember things? And what is Jim Quick's book called? Limitless. It just celebrated the one year anniversary of it. And it's a beautiful book. Like talk about the the texture of a book and just the graphics in a book and the paper feels good. And there's a whole community on Facebook and everybody talks about what they're learning and which chapter they've gone through and how they're making notes and their success stories about what they learned and what they're going to change. So really inspiring. You know, that's true though. You touch on something there. The whole idea of a physical book in your hands There's something so beautiful about that organic experience. And every book feels differently. Every book has something different to offer, whether it is the rough edges or the art on the cover or the way the pages are laid out, or even sometimes the little script or the art they do for the chapter headings. Like there's just, there's just some things about books that draw you in and make the experience more than just the text on a page, but it's actually the book experience itself, the actual physical thing. Well, especially when you can interact with the book, right? When the book is yours and you can write in it and you can dog ear it and you can highlight it and you can make notes to yourself. And there are some books where they intentionally include a wider margin so that you can do art journaling or just regular word journaling or whatever thoughts pop into your head. So one of my absolute most favorite books is It's Your Ship by Captain D. Michael Abrashoff. So this is management techniques from the best damn ship in the Navy. This is my favorite business book. It's not a new book. It's an older book. But talk about dog-eared, highlighted, underlined, write more notes in here. Can you fit any more words on the page, Mel, kind of thing. This book is so practical. So this will never be a shelf help book because Abrashoff took the worst ship in the Navy, the most undesirable ship in the Navy, and he turned it into the best ship in the Navy just by using practical kinds of things. So for example, he interviewed all 300 staff on his ship to find out why are you on this ship? Why are you in the Navy? What's your motivation? How can, what are your goals? How can I help you get those goals? So it turns out most of the team, they were on the ship because they didn't have grade 12 education. Their goal was to get their GED. So Abersoft said, fine, we're out at sea. We're bringing the GED instructor on board. No one had ever done this before. This was a novel idea where, and so he's like, let's do it. So he went through all the chains of command, got permission to do it, brought the GED instructor on board. And so now his team is trusting him more because they can see, hey, this guy's actually listening to us. He's taking our concerns to heart and he's going to do something about it. So for example, Abershoff's mom came on board and she's like, this food is rubbish. And sure enough, the food was rubbish. And this crew thought it was rubbish. So Abershoff showed up at one of the food meetings led by one of his staff sergeants and peanut butter was the big thing they were getting like the no-name kind of peanut butter that wasn't really great and everybody wanted skippy peanut butter and so he said okay how much does the skippy peanut butter cost well it's the same price as the no-name stuff and he said okay well get the skippy stuff if we like skippy get skippy right like there's no cost difference or after he interviewed everyone he had he found out their dates of birth and so then he started sending birthday cards to the staff on their birthday but also sent a card to that staff member's family 
who were on land and he said this is why your son or daughter is so great we love having them aboard this is how they add to the team and just a, a glowing letter and what was helpful is he had an administrative assistant who was so good with paperwork so so good but this admin assistant had been kicked off of another ship and Abrashoff said why were you kicked off the other ship and this admin assistant he said well my superior on that ship didn't like that I made these suggestions or corrected errors in these letters or that I was like you know, processing things. And Abrashoff is, he said, okay, well, have at her. You can write all my letters. You can correct all my mistakes because, you know, I'm not good at the paperwork kind of thing. And it got to the point where this admin assistant just flourished under Abrashoff because he would bring the paper to Abrashoff and say, okay, this sentence sounded a little wonky. I made it, changed it to this. There was an error here. And Abrashoff would look at it and sign it and be like, yep, good, go, here you go. And, you know, Abershaw said the stacks of paper and things to do that he had laying around, all of a sudden they were getting minimal because this admin assistant was just so good at moving paper. So he created this amazing, amazing team. And he started to train people not just two deep, but three deep. So we always had backup. And then his team became the best at night fueling. So night fueling is a super dangerous maneuver in the Navy. And his team, he... They practiced it and practiced it and practiced it. They turned it into something fun because it can be a bit tedious and long and boring. So they ended up doing movie nights while they were refueling. They ended up doing laser light shows while they were refueling. And in the competition scenarios that the Navy would have, his team would always come out on top, even though he would have a junior person doing a senior person's role because he had trained three deep. So the turnaround on his ship was just amazing. And you can tell I get way too excited about this book because it's just, there's so many things in here that are so practical, implementable and usable and just like care about the heart of the humans that you're working with, right? Like care about them as individuals and then make them feel good. And it doesn't have to be hard. He made the life of his officers easier because there was one point where the nuts and bolts that they were using weren't stainless steel. They were always rusting. The team would always have to be repainting the ship. He thought, this is a waste of time and energy and effort and money. How can we do this better? And his crew said, if we could have stainless steel nuts and bolts, it would make our lives so much easier. Okay. So Abrashoff went through all the channels, wrote all the letters, wrote all the memos, went all the way up to the top. They said, no, you got to use the nuts and bolts that you have. He thought, okay, well, this is bonkers. He got out the corporate credit card. So next time they hit land, he said, Here's the corporate credit card. Go to Home Depot, buy $25,000 of stainless steel, nuts and bolts, max out the card. And so we, they did. And they said, we're going to retrofit the whole entire ship, $25,000 at a time, nuts and bolts, every time we hit land and we have that limit on our card. And so that's what exactly what they did. And so now standard in the Navy is all the stainless steel nuts and bolts, just because Abershoff and his team found a better way to do it. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you have to think outside the box and you have to ask for forgiveness, not permission. Indeed. But ironically, if you focus on the people, that is always your bottom line. They're the ones that do the work. Yeah. And they're the reason why you do the work. So yeah, no, that's brilliant. I've had somebody else actually who is an entrepreneur who highly redeems that book. This is my most dog-eared highlighted written in the book. I'm lucky that I live in Oliver and there's the little lending library. And so it's a take a book, leave a book kind of thing. I am a frequenter of that. If I buy the book, so like when I was in your store the other day with the Paving It Forward book by Elizabeth Fate, I've read this book before and loved it. And if I read a book and love it and know that I want it on my shelf, then I will come buy it. And so this book, I'm expecting to write into this and highlight this one just because of the ideas in it. And what's that book about? 
Paving It Forward is about creating. So again, here we go, back to the true stories, super interesting. This gal, at the age of 19, she went to receptionist school, secretarial school, admin school, whatever it was called when she was 19, and she decided that she wanted to be an administrative assistant to an international business person. So she ended up working with Ron Joyce of Tim Hortons and flying all around the world 24-7 with him being his right hand, learned so much about business. And at the same time, she dedicated her life to Tim Hortons and Ron, obviously, for, for that chunk of time. But at the same time, she was practicing law of attraction, a law of manifestation. And so this book is about paving it forward, how if you set your intentions, set your goals, focus on those, eventually you will achieve them. So after her time with Ron and Tim Hortons, she opened up spas in some ritzy hotels in Calgary. And that's her business approach. And that's how she she made her money and manifested what she wanted. So not bad. Not bad for setting a goal at 19 and then actualizing it. And you know what? I often think too, that there is not a whole lot of forgiveness or permission for somebody to change their mind later. Like if you hmm. decide at some point in your life, uh, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a veterinarian. If you decide later, yeah, I, I think I'm done with that. There's another passion that is just knocking on my door. We think, wait, wait, hold on a second. You've invested in all that learning and all that history and the money and everything. You're just going to give it up? Well, heck yeah. Like if it's really about just checking all the boxes and doing what you're supposed to do, that's pretty mundane and awful. But stories of people who actually kind of throw all that nonsense to the wind and say, I'm going to do what really melts my butter. Right. That is the stuff that is good. And you should be able to do that at any point in your life. You should be able to do it more than once if you want. Oh, absolutely. And all learning is good learning. Like sometimes you need to learn and to experiment and to try to figure out what it is that you don't want and go a different direction. Because what happens if you are interested in one thing at one point in time, but then you're not interested in that anymore and you need to go another way. But mm -hmm. everything that you've learned in your first endeavor will absolutely play into your second endeavor or your third endeavor or your fourth endeavor, whatever it might be. I mean, people are multi-talented individuals, so why not use all of your talents? And Life is too short to be stayed, to be boring, to go with the status quo. Like explore everything interesting. And there's so many things to learn and so many people to meet. Oh, there really are. And I think one of the fun things about having a really vibrant reading life is you never escape the idea that, wow, there's so much I have not learned, so much I have not thought about and considered and, and done because you're opening yourself up to everybody else's possibilities and ideas and experiences and really the world is your oyster right like oh. there is no stopping you well the thing with books is that you can delve into worlds that you have no idea about so for example this book i am hutterite how many people grow up in hutterite colony when you look at the 33 billion people on the planet i don't know what the percentage of hutterites are right but this gal marianne kirkby wrote this book about being hutterite and wrote about life on the colony. And there aren't many people that have an insider's view on a Hutterite colony and then go on to write a book. And so she grew up in Manitoba and moved to Saskatchewan, I believe is where she's at now. But I met her in Alberta. So she's had a number of experiences with different Hutterite colonies. And so her book explains all why we wear the polka dots and why we wear the kerchiefs and why we wear the dresses and talks about the values of Hutterites, like really strong in faith and family. And yes, they may not have seen a TV and they may not have exposure to music and dancing, 
but it talks about entrepreneur spirit and work ethic and just the fun they had in the community that they built and their family values. So she was an interesting author to meet as well. I've often said that whenever you sit in front of a book and you open that book, it's a humbling experience because you you cannot be arrogant. Anytime you open a book, you're saying, show me your version of the world. Teach me how you see things. Fiction, nonfiction, whatever. You're letting that person educate you about their imagination, their experience, their story, whatever it is. You don't know it. You've never lived it. So you're always letting somebody else teach you something. It's such a, a noble and a, I don't know, I think it's a brave thing to let somebody else teach us about the world when so many people tend to get locked in one way of seeing things or of doing things. But books just open that all up and say, no, 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 no. There's so much more, friend. Let me show you what we've got. Absolutely. Yeah. And so many things that were t- taboo to talk about previously are now okay to talk about. So, for example, back to Theo Fleury and the abuse in the NHL, I've noticed that there are more stories about abuse in the NHL coming out, like Sheldon Kennedy, for example, his book that also involved Graham James, or other football players and hockey players and athletes, the gymnasts who are now coming out about the abuse that they experienced. And it's more acceptable to talk about now, and it seems like now is more of a healing space. More people are open to communicating, to sharing, to getting the traumas out. Which is necessary. Because once people read it, they might not be ready on their own to say their story or to divulge something that was hurtful. But when they read somebody else's, it almost feels as if, okay, they paved the way. I can just, I can do it too now. I think that that community around hurtful experiences and stuff is is just so valuable. It really is. And the social worker in me is just all over that. (laughs) Like, let's, let's just create a healthy conversation about how we are there for each other instead of just thinking about our own perspective all the time. Now, are you ready to do a rapid fire 30 mil? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Let's do it. Bring it on. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Who is an author you would most like to have coffee with? Jim Quick, hands down. Which fictional world or time period would you like to spend a weekend in? Tough one for me because I'm so nonfiction oriented, but I think if I could pick, I used to live in New Zealand and I swam with the dolphins in the wild, in the ocean at 6.30 in the morning. So I'd want to be a dolphin. And if that isn't fantastical enough, then I will pick being a mermaid in the Caribbean in the warm waters of the Caribbean with the coral and the other fish. That sounds great. Name a book that changed how you see the world. There are so many because I've read so many. It's tough to pick which one. Well, I'm going to pick stories of triumph. So Kara Brookins, for example, wrote a book called Rise because she was in an incredibly abusive relationship and she and her four kids built a 3,000 square foot house solely by watching YouTube videos. So amazing, amazing story. I'll, I'll go with that one. That's incredible. What is a book that broke your heart? I mentioned earlier the Derek Bugard book. That one was was a Kleenex one for sure. And on the fiction side, A Man Called Ove by Frederick Bachman is definitely a Kleenex book. Okay. If the story of your life were made into a film, who would play you? Me, of course. But if I had to pick like a real author, I would pick Rachel Maddow of MSNBC. She's a, an anchor. I've been mistaken for her before. So go, Rachel. What is a book that did not live up to its hype? Oh, Eat, Pray, Love. What is a book that wasn't hyped enough? Probably Theo Fleury's book. That one could get a, get a lot more airtime. 
a book that should never be made into a film? Good question, because I don't know what the answer to that would be, because if I read the book, I don't watch the film and vice versa. Fair enough. So what is the last book you stopped reading? Oh, yes, there are actually two, one fiction, one nonfiction. So Harriet Lerner, she wrote The Dance of Intimacy and The Dance of Anger, both really, really great books, implementable stuff, but this Dance of Deception, not so good. So I'm going to have to stop reading that one. And then from fiction perspective, Elizabeth Berg. Once Upon a Time There Was You, just not a great book for me. So that one's on its way out. What was the last book you bought? The last book I bought was, I believe it was the Paving It Forward book, Elizabeth Fate from your store. The last book someone gave you? Limitless. That was my birthday gift from a friend in March. Yes. Go, Jim. What is the last book you suggested to someone? Oh, Limitless. (laughs) What is the book you are reading right now? I have a lot of books on the go right now, actually. So... I, yeah, I usually have 10 on the go at a time. So I'm reading a book about tapping, emotional freedom technique. So releasing the issues in your tissues. I am reading one of Robin Sharma's books, The 5am Club. I am reading a textbook for school, which is so enthralling because it's all about English grammar. Kelly loaned me a stack of books of her clients who have all had best-selling author status. So I'm reading through that stack of books right now. So I have a tendency to read the first chapter of a book and then read the first chapter of another book and then read the first chapter of another book. So that's how I end up with 10 on the go all at the same time. And then I'll just flip between all of them. What is the next book that you can't wait to start? I haven't started Limitless yet. I'm afraid to crack the spine on it because it's just so magical right now that I'm afraid once I get into it, it's not going to be as magical as I've hyped it up to be and I'm hoping it would be. Ebook or tree book? Tree. Tree, tree, tree all the way. <laughs> borrow or buy? Both. Mostly borrow though. Weirdest thing you've used as a bookmark? Uh, candy wrappers. Uh, where is your favorite place to read? I have a thinking chair at my house, so I'll plop myself in the thinking chair. It faces a park, faces south, good sunshine, so I'll plunk myself in the chair, put my feet up on the windowsill, and read away. A book you loaned out and never got back. Oh, that was almost Eyes of an Angel. I loaned that one out to a friend, and she lost it, and I was distraught because it's a signed book. So that was my lesson in do not loan books that have been autographed. Never again. But what is a book you borrowed and never returned? Mm, I haven't returned it yet because I am still reading it. So Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff is on loan from a friend. And also Snoop on loan from a friend of mine that talks about people's habits and their clutter habits and what your space can tell you about you and who you are. Interesting read. What is the thickest book on your shelf? The French English Dictionary for sure. Okay. And how do you organize your bookshelves? Small books up top, big books on the bottom, autographed books in the middle, books to read everywhere. (laughs) What is your favorite word? Badassery. Compliments of Jen Sincero. That is a good one. (laughs) And what do you drink while you're reading? Nothing. Nothing. Got to focus on the words. (laughs) Okay. And how many books did you read last year, Mel? 121. Ooh, impressive. Thank you. It was almost a record-setting year for me. My highest has been 128. But I am on track this year to surpass that because in the month of April, I have read almost a book a day, which is scary. That is amazing. Does this leave time for anything else for you? How are you fitting that into your life? 
Well, I think that's the the issue is because I used to have three jobs and now I'm down to one. And so I notice I fill that extra time with reading. So I'm going to have to find a hobby or something. Pick up another addiction of some sort, maybe. (laughs) Well, you you just finished your rapid fire 30. You did very well. Woo! Thanks. See? How hard was that, eh? It wasn't. Not at all. So how would you describe your reading life? Voracious. Voracious. That's a good word. Pretty much. Most of the books that you have mentioned are Canlit. Do you have a preference for Canadian authors? I think I like supporting Canadian. I think I like buying local. I think I like, yeah, I do. I'm patriotic in that regard. I like talking to you about books. You have you have a very um, vibrant perspective on nonfiction, which a lot of people tend to think, oh, I'm not going to go into nonfiction. It's just, ugh, it's dreary and it's dull. And, and you're right, right? A lot of the stories have heart and charisma and inspiration and something that you can take from it. So I think that nonfiction, if you find the right titles at the right time, is a really good risk. So for a lot of fiction readers, what is one nonfiction book that you would say would be a good entry level nonfiction book to start with? So I abhor history. I will not read history books or romantic historical fiction books, whatever that category genre is, I just won't go there because I don't care about crinoline and tool and shoes and whatever happened in the 1700s or 1800s, right? So for me to recommend one of those books would be a no-go. Sports books are always fun. I mean, go back to the Canadiana and the hockey and the that type of thing. It, if we're talking about the shelf help section, or if we get into near death experiences or things that are a little woo woo or a little spiritual, I delve into lots of those kinds of things or lots of alternative healing therapies. Like, there's just so many interesting experiences. So, so many. Like, life is just so short and there's just so much to experience. And that's why I travel and that's why I engage with people because you never know who you're going to meet. No, you don't, which is why, honestly, life is constantly an adventure. And if you feel as if your life doesn't have nearly enough spice in it, reading a book about somebody else's spicy adventures or perspectives or experiences really does add to your own. Mm -hmm. So when you say that you are a sponge for all of these things, you literally are because you are taking them in. You're making them part of your reading life and your experience. And it's now changing how you see the world with all this knowledge and experience and the taste of all those people's stories. It's it's fascinating. Thank you for sharing the books that have inspired you and motivated you and keep you going because I think that's awesome. You are most welcome. It's been fun speaking with you. Thanks, Brandy. You're so welcome, Mel. We'll see you at the store. Count on it. You know where I'll be. <laughs> it's such a good reminder that your reading life doesn't have to look like anyone else's. Actually, it shouldn't. Your reading life also doesn't have to look like it always has in the past. You are allowed to change that up, especially if you're coming out of student life or a dry spell. You don't want to go back to what you just came out of. You want to change it up a little bit. So you know what? Get out of your comfort zone. Discover a fabulous new author, a genre, or world to read about because it is up to you to make your reading life extraordinary. No matter how you serve the world, friends, shine a light of humor, kindness, and compassion in everything you do. Be relevant, be generous, 
be unforgettable. May your reading life be extraordinary. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.